Hi, I'm Fred Burton. Welcome to Stratfor Essential Geopolitics. I'm here today with Ryan Boll, who's one of our Middle East and North Africa analysts. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Fred. Ryan, what's the international reaction to this tit-for-tat between the United States and Iran? Well, so we've got a lot of international actors who, who have a lot of interest in what's happening here and want to take advantage and, and, and want to find ways to exploit it. Uh, the big story, the central geopolitical story here is between the U.S. and Iran with some periphery players. And we can look at some of these periphery players like, for example, Russia, a major power who in the past few years has demonstrated a capability to be interested in the Middle East, to send forces to the Middle East, to sell arms in the Middle East, and what their stake is in Iran. Uh, there's a lot of open questions about uh, how off, how much will the Russians will will go to protect their relationship with the Iranians, uh, and it's a really nuanced and interesting story uh, because on the one hand we have the Russians who have shown ambition to show that they are a great power again, and they want to show that they can protect some of their allies like Iran uh, from the United States. This is a strategy that they've demonstrated in Syria. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a lot of constraints to what the Russians can actually do. Uh, there's hesitance on the Russians' part to try to, to overextend themselves, to try to protect the Iranians. There's some bad history there. Uh, the Iranians have never forgiven or forgotten that the Russians were part of an occupation force during World War II in Iran, and Iranian nationalists bring that up from time to time. Uh, so there's a limit to how much the, how much the Russians can really be involved uh, in Iran, making it so that their relationship can vacillate between being somewhat warm at times to a bit chillier, uh, depending on the circumstances. And they learned some hard lessons in Afghanistan, which is not lost on their own intelligence analysts there. That, that's exactly right. And, and even recently, uh, the Russians tried to trumpet that they were able to use uh, Iranian air bases for strikes on Syria. That caused a reaction within Iran and ended the, uh, the Russians' ability to use those bases. Let's talk a little bit about China. They, uh, we don't hear much about a reaction from China as a result of what happened with the General Soleimani killing. Mm-hmm. That's right. The Chinese are trying to emphasize this notion of they've still got their peaceful rise strategy, right? And, and what that means in the Middle East is a combination of transactionalism with some opportunism, with some strategic exploitations of when other powers are weaker. And how that plays out in Iran is the Chinese are perfectly happy doing business with the Iranians. They're one of the few major buyers of Iranian oil, even as they tend to do it off the books. They tend to do it through something like a, a smuggling program. They're willing to help the Iranians evade sanctions, but mostly for China's own benefit, not because they're so much interested in becoming Iran's sanctions-busting partner. Uh, that does a couple and it, it does double-dip for them strategically, thumbs in the eye of the Americans. But at the same time, it, it does something that the Chinese need, which they need energy from that part of the world. And they're also happy to sell arms to the Iranians, but they're not about to send troops. Uh, they're not about to protect the Iranians from uh, American... Uh, uh, confrontations. Uh, this recent naval drill that the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians had was symbolically showy, but it wasn't an indication that neither that Russia or Beijing is going to send in military forces to be a bigger partner for the Iranians. The Iranians want to stand on their own and be their own independent power, so they don't want to have too many obligations to the great powers. And China and Russia don't want to necessarily have those obligations either, where they have to stick their neck out for the Iranians when the Iranians do carry out attacks like they did on these U.S. Uh, these bases in Iraq that host U.S. troops. Let's talk a little bit about the regional actors here that are very much still in play, like 
Israel and Saudi Arabia. What has been their reaction? Well, Saudi Arabia and a lot of the Gulf states were part of that maximum pressure lobbying campaign. They didn't like the Iranian nuclear deal. They wanted to see it uh, backed away from or abandoned. Uh, that's mostly happened now. Uh, they wanted maximum pressure, but they didn't want maximum tension. Now that the prospect of regional conflict is there, and we've gotten close to it multiple times, the Saudis, the Emiratis, uh, and the other Gulf states have all been trying to signal to both the Iranians and to the United States that they want tensions to go down. They really don't want the idea of a, of a regional conflict because it could cause a lot of damage to their economies. Uh, they can't be sure what it'll do to their political systems. There's a lot of unknowns that they just don't want to risk. So we've seen with the Gulf states a pulling back. They want sanctions to remain, but they want their tension to move away from this military tension that we're seeing. And Israel? And the Israelis have taken somewhat of a similar tact, at least for the moment, but they seem to be approaching it in a different way. It has less to do with their worry about Iranian retaliation, which they've been living with for a while as they've been striking Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. For the Israelis, it's a combination of domestic politics. They've got an election in March, so they don't want too much instability between now and then. And also uh, kind of an acknowledgement of reality on the ground. The Americans are a preeminent military power. They can do anything the Israelis can do and better. Uh, if the Americans are going to do the job of a military conflict with Iran, the Israelis don't feel the need to necessarily uh, to carry out these actions. So if America is going to take on Iran in this way, the Israelis are happy to step back and let the U.S. do it. What's the one thing that you are watching for our viewers to understand? Well, we are now in something of a de-escalation phase yet again. Uh, but our biggest thing that we're worried about and watching going forward is a combination of proxy theaters like Iraq or Syria, where U.S. troops are still stationed and Iranian proxies are still active. We're waiting to see if there's going to be flare-ups there and how that's going to play out. We're also very carefully watching what's going to be happening with the Iranian nuclear program's development. Uh, the Iranians have not explicitly said that they're chasing a nuclear weapon yet, uh, but they're kicking open doors bit by bit by bit to make that more possible. As they do that, that could trigger a response from the United States or the Israelis. So it's a combination of two things, watching to see how the proxy theaters develop, watching to see how the Iranian nuclear program develops as well. And there's other factors as well on the map that we're looking at that we describe more in our website. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you, Fred. For those of you who would like more on Ryan's thoughts on what's transpired over the past few days uh, between the U.S. and Iran, uh, or are interested in our materials, please uh, look at stratford.com slash subscribe. Thank you. I'm Fred Burton.